0: The dialogue is not an event, it's a process. It's not going to happen, you know, okay, this one meeting and I'm gonna change this person's mind. Expanding possibilities, the mindset zone.
1: I'm your host, Anna Malikian. And before we start, please remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. To access all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at Mindset.Zone. And if you want to get a free chapter of my book, Mindset Zone, please go to Mindset.Zone. Or slash book. Today, our special guest is Bhakti Karkare. Bhakti is a leadership development consultant and a learning strategist known for her work with groups, individuals, and organizations. Her decade long corporate experience with global HR teams helps her bring unique cultural insights to her consulting and speaking engagements. She is on a mission to help leaders learn to use the power of dialogue to create inclusive, engaging, and more human workplaces. Welcome to the Mindset Zone, Bhakti.
0: Thank you so much, Anna, for inviting me. I'm really excited to be
1: here. And uh, we met because both of us d- did the uh, speaking training to up-level our speaking to the next level and to be out there more uh, spreading our mission out there. And that was fascinating when we had the opportunity to speak how passionate you are about the topic of dialogue and how you have a specific approach that is different to this. So I would like to, to start our conversation today by asking you, How did you become aware of the power of dialogue yourself?
0: I will have to take you to about a decade back when I started facilitating. In fact, I think I realized the power of dialogue right after facilitating my first workshop. And I'll take you a little back before that moment, a year back before I facilitated my first workshop. And I was a participant in a workshop and I saw this facilitator. And I was enamored by her, by her energy, by her unique way of connecting with the participants, her vibe and her confidence. And I sitting in that chair, I wanted to become a facilitator. And I was already in the learning and development space. So I went to my manager and I said, listen, I want to facilitate workshops. And he said, get out of here. You're not a facilitator. (laughs) But I kept knocking the door again and again. And I said, I really want to be a facilitator." And he wouldn't budge until one of the senior facilitators in the team, he he kind of vouched for me and he said, give her a chance, you know, let's see what, how she does. And if it's not good enough, you can tell her you're never getting to do it again. And that was kind of a lot of expectations, but I really prepared and I was very excited to facilitate my work, one first workshop, which is one year later now. And I facilitated the workshop and I'd really enjoyed it. The entire process, and I come out running, going to this senior facilitator, who was in a way my mentor at the time. and I went to him and I told him, "I've done it. It was amazing." And he looked at me and he said, "Tell me what made it amazing for you." And I said, "Well, I think I was confident throughout the workshop, and I think I was able to answer all their questions. And third is, because I think they learned a lot. So he took a pause looked at me and asked me, do you want to be a facilitator in the long run? Is this something that you want to do as a career? And I said, yes, This is, I think this is my thing. This is amazing. I loved how I perform. And he said to me, well, if you want to be a facilitator in the long run, I want you to aspire for different out- outcomes. And I looked at him puzzling, you know, with a puzzling face. What do you mean? What outcomes? And he, he goes on to say, just a little shift of words. And I'll reframe these outcomes for you. Very similar to what you just said. But instead of coming out next time saying, I was very confident, I want you to come out saying, I think I made them feel very confident. And instead of saying, I think I answered their all quest- all the, all of their questions, I want you to say, I asked the right questions. And instead of saying, I think they learned a lot. I want you to aspire for them to be able to reflect a lot with you and these three kind of shifts that he offered became the foundation of my understanding of of the world of facilitation and which went on to become part of my work on dialogue and it still guides my mission and understanding of dialogue so that was the time I truly became aware of the power of dialogue and I started using it more and more and I'm still working with it and see amazing results when I'm able to
1: attain those outcomes for people in the groups that I facilitate. So let's go and s- unpack this because I think, yes, I think the true line here is not about you, it's about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that little shift, exactly. your Your reflection was, okay, I did a good job, was confident, I answered all the mm-hmm. questions, they learned a lot, I was a good teacher. And he asked you to shift, okay, let's put ourselves in their shoes and Are they feeling confident with the information? Are do you ask the right questions to them for them to elicit more? And how so? How much reflection you motivate in them? So that small shift that is so so powerful. Mm. So tell me now. Make the bridge from that, realization and that you start to incorporate as a facilitator and now to become a master facilitator that you are today, how did that change your view of dialogue and the power of dialogue?
0: I think you're beautifully pointing out the shift that was the most important for me personally as well, because I'm a very shy person. So when I got to start, I got started with facilitation, there was a lot of pressure on being the star performer or being right or being eloquent or very specific. And this shift kind of helped me shift the focus from myself to those whom I'm serving. And that became, once again, a very important principle of my leadership philosophy. That the moment we can shift that focus from us, because we put too much pressure on ourselves when we are in the position of leading, so much so that we forget the people that we're serving. And that shift was very, really, really, in a way, life-changing for me, not just as a facilitator, but as a speaker and a leader. And that's that's essentially what drives my work, is to be able to help leaders who today especially are under tremendous pressure of getting everything right in their endeavor to lead. And, you know, in, in that process, they put too much focus on themselves, forgetting those they serve. So this, this kind of leadership and this kind of approach towards connecting and leading and trusting people is a shift and it shifts the power from the leader to the people they serve. And that's what our modern world of uh, workplaces and work cultures need today. So it kind of. Formulated my philosophy of leadership and has helped me a lot personally and professionally.
1: So, as a facilitator or as a leader, in the beginning, you were putting all the pressure in yourself, or a leader can be put all the pressure in themselves. What can I speak that is inspiring, that is going to whatever it is? And by doing that, shift becomes more about them. So, you have to listen. And I know that. You really, because I love your approach to the power of dialogue, that is, you go beyond listening, you go beyond speaking, that is not difficult, but you say that true powerful dialogue is beyond speaking and listening. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: Mm-hmm. The listening and speaking is gen- just one aspect of the dialogue. And so you can categorize it as the doing of the dialogue, you know, the the act of listening and the act of speaking, the act of asking questions is just just that tactical part of dialogue. But more than the, this doing is also the being in the dialogue. And the being is about your mindset, your awareness of self and those involved in the dialogue. It is also about knowing the objective of the dialogue and avoiding all distractions like assumptions, judgments, and notions about others involved in the dialogue. And that's your being. So it's it's more about self-awareness and awareness of your surroundings. So the, those are the two parts of dialogue. And the And the biggest part between this being and do, doing is what I call the in-between. The in-between is the space that gets created dynamically and is always there even when the being and the doing is gone. This space is the energy and the and the relationship that's built while the dialogue is being conducted. And when the being and the doing is done, the space becomes the foundation for the next dialogue. And a lot of times our focus when it comes to conversation is, is on this doing you know what do I say what do I what do I ask or how do I listen how do I empathize and that's of course a very essential part of a dialogue but a true facilitator of dialogue also at the same time focuses on what is this questioning and asking and listening really impacting the space how is it impacting the space that's created and what is my role in this moment as a facilitator of dialogue and sometimes we forget that the role as a facilitator of this dialogue is to see forward movement and not just, let's say, in an argument or sell sell an idea or make the other person agree to a point of view. Uh, and so if you look at a true successful dialogue, all these three components, the doing, the being and the in between, which is the space, has to be has to be considered And then truly, you create a dialogue that may not create an end result immediately, but that creates the opportunity for a
1: sustained dialogue over time, leading to success. Love it. So, okay, let's again unpack a little bit this. So doing, I, and I totally agree that we there is a lot of focus of the right words, the right message, and it's important, listening well, absolutely important. There are vital elements of communication of the dialogue, but what you, you are saying, yes, they are important, but not enough. Then I love that you introduce the being. So what is our intentions? What we bring to the table as full human beings like we are? possibly our limitations, our blind spots, our misconceptions, and all our own culture. And I love the space in between. That is what surprised me on the in this model. I get the doing, I get the being, but the importance of the space where the doing happens, where the beings are, creates something really special that becomes the culture of the place, correct? Yeah. Exactly,
0: exactly. And as leaders, as HR professionals, especially these are the kind of people that I work with who really need dialogue skills. It's important to be very aware of this space that you're creating.
1: So give us an example of how this framework helps, for instance, a a leader in an HR, senior HR person to solve a situation or that they have there.
0: So the most common situations I come across with HR is uh, is the struggle they have when they are initiating, let's say, a difficult dialogue with, a, with another senior leader in the organization. One of the most common cases is they know that the senior leader, let's say, is biased or is doing something that's creating a damaging effect to the culture of the organization
1: or is not using enough care to lead people. Okay, so can I ask you? Can we think about the situation? Imagine you have a senior leader that is a great person and all of that, but he's really fighting against the use of pronouns because he, yeah. I think that will be a problem. And you you can have very good, incredible leaders, but they really struggle with because it's all the education, all the years of so mm. certain things. And they really something that they struggle is, why do we have to worry about the pronouns? What is the big thing about it? And possibly people are complaining and the HR has to do something about Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so tell us with this fictitious case, but that reflects a possible reality in corporations in so many workplaces nowadays. How can the HR help using this framework of dialogue, help this executive to to amplify their perspectives.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if this is just on the surface uh, a lot of these, this education requires time and we'll talk about a little bit later about it. But if you just look at the framework that I explained, the being, doing, and in between, the part of being is, of course, easily understandable. I, I think our listeners can relate to that process as to what are the kind of questions that I'm going to ask and how do I help this person reflect through listening, through empathy, connecting through them at a, at a deeper level? How do I reflect to their understanding of the world? How do I adopt their perspective to understand why is this a struggle? And that's the be the doing part of it, you know, asking the right questions and staying out of judgment, listening carefully and, um, Adopting perspective, adopting their worldview, kind of, you know, buying their goggles to see the world from their eyes. And and that's, that's the doing of it. The being of it is more about your self-confidence and your courage to actually even initiate the dialogue. And it's where I hear again and again senior leaders talking about their junior HRT members or even veteran HR leaders saying it is just something that seems sometimes very politically tensed to talk about, or it's something I want to avoid at all costs. And that is coming from some, some sort of fear or fear of repercussions, fear of breaking a relationship, fear of impacting this person's motivation, et cetera. So, the being of it is really sitting down and asking yourself, why do I want to have a dialogue? And there's a framework which I call ground framework. And I can share a link with our listeners here later for them to download it. But essentially, it is to ground yourself to understand what is the role that I'm I'm playing? And why do I have want to have this dialogue? And to what extent am I going to, for example, push it? Am I trying to sell something or am I trying to understand something? What is the transformation I'm looking for? How will I know that the transformation has occurred and how much effort am I ready to put? Because the di- the dialogue is not an event, it's a process. It's not going to happen, you know, okay, this one meeting and I'm going to change this person's mind, right? So the being is recognizing that that process and recognizing my limitations, like you said, and, and my goals in that process. And how am I going to going to sustain through that process in order to get to the other side.
1: So going back to our example, if the senior leader that is struggling with use of pronouns, especially the "they" pronoun for a singular person, that is where I see a lot of struggle Mm -hmm. so many times, is used to other people. He feels or she feels that that is being imposed. And you are telling that this HR person is going to start with a position of curiosity, like why is trying to understand why this is so much of an issue for that person? Yeah,
0: yeah. And also the HR person can adopt the role of, let's say, someone who is wanting to advocate for the cause. And that clarity is important. Are you going to be an advocate for the cause of adopting? And then you're going to only advocate for what what is, it, what is on your agenda? Or are you going to be a person who is going to create awareness and then leave that conversation. You know, as long as they are aware of the impact of their actions, I'm I'm happy and that's a successful dialogue. Or are you driving accountability? And a lot of times I think when we get into these dialogues, we don't even know what the outcome is. We are just assuming that the outcome is that this person completely changes and buys our idea. And that's a really hard sell. It's people don't change in a dialogue. But knowing that I, my role here is to facilitate that dialogue. No one is talking to them about this. No one else will talk to them about this. And I'm the only person as HR leader, for example, or a DEI advocate or an ERG leader. My role is to, is to advocate for this cause and create awareness. So once that understanding is clear, that's the being, because it's really easy to confuse that being from, let's say, being an advocate to a seller or to being an angry, very passionate, I don't know if the advocate is the right word, but being very angry and so passionate about it that your judgment clouds your, your words and your questions, and you're just doing a leading instead of understanding. And I think these dialogues, especially when this is such a new change for a lot of people to adopt to, we have to create more inclusion for everyone. So we understand why we are doing this and what is the impact of this on others. So that's that's the being. And that's where the third aspect of the space it really, really matters because you can damage this space in the first dialogue and it's never going to open if you do it wrong. Right. So, being very aware of the kind of energy, kind of the relationship you're building with this person through the dialogue, through the being and doing. If you're aware of that, you can, you know, take the first step instead of starting to think, okay, in this first dialogue, I'm going to meet my goals. You can create that rapport to be able to move to the next one and the next one. And the successful dialogue
1: is one which leads to forward movement, no matter how small it is. Yeah. And I love that it's really treating people in a human way. Mm -hmm. Because I think when, even if we, we believe very much in something a cause or whatever it is, that is important and we are passionate about and is easy, that can be our being But it's very easy to come across as this is the right way, the only way. And you have to come to my side. And then the other one, no, the fence is up. This is my way. The only way I've been doing this for decades. Who are you to tell me that? And It becomes me and them in the sense of the other and what you are suggesting for organizations. And I was thinking that that is what you are speaking, this power of dialogue and this approach of dialogue for families is very important, too, because it's to see as, okay. let's listen, let's speak, but let's be open. Let's be curious. Let's allow the space for things to happen. Yes.
0: Yes, and that's why it's a journey. A dialogue is not an event. It's, it's a journey which requires a lot of lot of commitments. The commitment to listen, the commitment to suspend judgment, the commitment to be open and honest, the commitment to be vulnerable, the commitment
1: to be uncomfortable. And, and to be more like a, a true conversation, because I think many people approach these situations as a debate, and that they, somebody has to win a debate. Who is winning this debate? And you are saying, no, no, that is the the recipe to not going anywhere. And let's see this as a true dialogue that goes beyond the speaking, goes beyond the listening. That really starts a conversation uh, that is ongoing. Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's, that's kind of the, also the thin line between a conversation and a dialogue. Just to, just to clarify in my mind, a chat or a conversation, a chat or a conversation is a lot about this speaking and listening. You know, it's the conversation can end, end abruptly. Dialogue is very specific in the way that it is, it is meant to create forward movement. It is meant to create change. A conversation necessarily may not create any shift any change any movement any discomfort but if you if you look at the scientifically what what we mean by facilitating a dialog a successful dialog is one that creates a forward movement whether it's done for learning whether it's done for problem solving decision making it creates forward movement it can be very small
1: movement or a very big transformation But it's it is forward looking. Love it. So there is that element there of creating something new, almost a new language, a new common language between the people that are involved in the dialogue. Yes, yes, mutual shared understanding is
0: is a very successful outcome of a dialogue
1: because I love always to look into the etymology of words, the origin of the word
0: yeah, it means flow of meaning it's it's a Greek word dia and logos and it's it essentially is through word and and it's its understanding is the flow of meaning and I love that definition and it really is an all-encompassing in what I'm trying to say is as long as there's flow of meaning. You're conducting a dialogue and and a lot of casual chats and conversations
1: don't reach there. So dialogue is very specific in that sense. Flow of meaning. I love that. We are we cannot it's like water, we cannot it's like let it flow, let it come something else by let this flowing of this communication at all these levels happening, and there is the flow of meaning and hopefully creating a new Construct meaning that is more inclusive. Yes, yes, you you're putting it very beautifully. <laughs> I, no, I I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love that. So how how do you go about and teaching this?
0: It's a it's a long process. It's, it's it's essentially a learning journey which has three elements to it. The first is the mindset, and adopting a facilitator's mindset is the primary step of understanding the power of dialogue and kind of, you know, what happened with me through my first experience was adopting that mindset of facilitator, which is a lot of unlearning in terms of your power, your authority, the impact that you have as a speaker or instructor versus a facilitator. So a lot of learning starts with what is this facilitator's mindset and what is what does it mean to serve others through this mindset? And what is the difference in a facilitator's mindset versus, let's say, a leader's or instructor's mindset? So mindset. And then the second part is skill set. Of course, you need toolkits and frameworks and skills like listening, empathy, observing observational power, handling resistance, creating forward movement, leading a discussion. All of this is the skills part of it, which is, of course, very hands on. And then the third is practice. So all of my training programs encompass these three important layers of becoming a dialogue expert, which is to be able to adopt the mindset, to have the necessary skills and frameworks and tools to initiate dialogue and gain confidence to initiate dialogue. And the third is really practicing it and getting feedback on how you're doing it just now what we did was it was just an example of creating a case study and really seeing what are the elements involved here but the next stage of that is practicing it and really doing it and once you do it you realize what kind of resistance can you can you see or how is the other person responding or what are the nuances of that communication what what makes it hard to listen, what makes it hard to empathize when you are completely on the other side of the aisle. And all of that practice is really important to to learn the skill set and mindset and really make it your own and become
1: your own style of dialogue creator. Love it. So you are saying, and let me try to do this in for this extrapolation here, The mindset work that, of course, we love here in the mindset zone, but this mindset zone or the facilitator mindset is a lot about the being, what you bring to the table, the being, the skills, the tools is the doing and the practice is creating the spaces, bringing the being and the doing together. That is what is necessary to create that space in between.
0: Yeah, yeah, it has. Can be kind of categorized like that, but it has overlaps across across all three. But, but yeah, essentially, very important aspects
1: of learning the skill of dialogue. And you are also suggesting here that leaders can become more effective if they learn this, becoming more facilitators on this dialogue.
0: Yeah. And I strongly believe that we need more facilitators than leaders in this world. I think we have too many leaders and too few facilitators. Yeah. And for some reason, we have, of course, a lot of facilitators, brilliant facilitators in the world, and they're doing a fantastic job of creating these spaces, inclusive spaces, day in and day out. But this, this secret knowledge is not going out there in the world of leadership. The leaders, the way leaders are leading groups is not the way facilitators lead. And there is so much to learn from this community. And my mission is to really help bridge that gap. Leaders can learn a lot from facilitators. And our world today, especially, which is so polar, divided, our gen- the generations, the new generations that are entering world, they have different demands from the leaders. They need an, a leader who can create inclusive environments, listen to them. Encourage ideas and our traditional principles of leadership do not provide this kind of education to modern leaders. So if our modern leaders can learn these basic principles, which are which are based in the principle of if I if I have to say humanity, humility and kindness, and we need that in our workplaces more than ever.
1: I think we can create more sustainable, respectful and kind workplaces. I love it. OK, so I don't have anything to add to that beautiful way that you summarize everything there, but I want to finish by asking, how can people learn more about you and your work? So I'm most
0: active on LinkedIn. So they can, of course, reach out to me on LinkedIn, follow my work on LinkedIn, my my posts on LinkedIn. My website is another way to learn more about me. It's www.thirdlooplearning.com. And I'm um, just a phone call or email, email away if they want to reach me, ask a question or, or hire me
1: for, for some work. <laughs> some facilitator work and to teach them <laughs> to be better, to, to really, to, to leverage the power of dialogue. I love it. So I will make sure that all these links will be on the show notes to be it's just easy to go there and click and go to check your website and connect with you on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for being here today.
0: Thank you, Anna. It is an honor to be here. Expanding possibilities, the mindset.
1: Thank you for listening and remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. And if you want to get a free chapter of my book, Mindset Zone, please go to mindset.zone forward slash book. As always, I'm so grateful you are here. Expand what's possible for you for the ones around you, for the world.